0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast.
1: And I'm Pete Wright, and I certainly don't know what we lost.
0: (laughs) Today we're talking about Minute 22, which begins with a furious beating and ends with a fury conceding. Oh, my oh, I know. I know. That just know. happened out loud. It just, it did. It really, You know, I worked on that too, which is, is I know. <laughs> hey, I know you should sleep on that. <laughs> uh, joining us on the show today, we have author Matthew Costello, the man behind Secret Identity Crisis, comic books, and the unmasking of Cold War America, back from last season. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Andy. Hi, Pete. Good to have you back, Matthew. Good to be here. Yeah, we are thrilled to have you. Um, you know, we had you on Last season, talking about uh, Captain America, and uh, you know your your book talks about Cold War America, comic books, all that sort of stuff. And this is definitely a, a Captain America, a Steve Rogers centric minute. And I'm just wondering if there's a particular reason you wanted to discuss this minute with him, or or what? And I figured let's start there.
2: Well, there there are a couple of things I like about this minute that focus on Steve. One is is the sort of the way it's set up so that clearly he has been frustrated and working through these issues for some time. This is not the first time he has had flashbacks and gotten angry and punched the bag away, which is why there are six more bags on the ground, all taped (laughs) up, ready to be hung up there. This is sort of a ready thing that he's been doing. We come into this moment where Steve is very frustrated. He's frustrated because in the comic books, he's a man out of time. And that's sort of what is positioned here. However, what happens by making him sort of this frustrated man out of time? They really alter him from the way he was in Captain America, the first Avenger, and they change his role a little bit. Where in the first Avenger, Captain America was this avatar of every man America, this democratic force, right? I'm, I can do this all day. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn with his multicultural, um, howling commandos that he works with. Here he becomes this very conservative, figure about well what have we lost right we've done some things right but what have we lost part of what he's lost is peggy clearly right that's brought in with that the image of her but it's also that he's 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 sort of a grumpy old man in this picture in this moment (laughs) yeah old man yelling at
1: clouds a little bit he's bob
2: dole right we got to go back and get what we lost go back to that golden age i want to build a bridge to the past Right. And so this, this really is the moment, I think, when we start to see what will become really, I think, the, the, the right wing conservatism of the Marvel cinematic universe that starts to take off here. I don't, I'm almost not sure it's absolutely intentional here, but it's really starting. This film is more than any of the others, right? A 9 11 revenge fantasy. Mm. And this is where we start to
0: see that come. Yeah, interesting perspective and uh at at this point in particular talking with Steve here as we have, you know, him dealing with emotions, he's kind of got this emotional outburst from things that he's thinking about and remembering. And then he has this conversation with Nick about uh you know, the fact that they won but they never they never say what we lost, like this whole thing, this side of looking at um, an attack or, or whatever the case may be, as he's talking about, and, and kind of the emotional uh, perspective that we're getting from this character. So it's definitely an interesting element that we have in this particular scene.
1: It is interesting. I've I've never looked at it quite the way you just presented, Matthew. And I I because for me, this minute in particular hinges on survivor's guilt. That so much of his rage is tied in those first like six seconds, where we have the clip of him frozen and them saying, "My God, this guy's still alive!" And then he punches the bag across the room. Right? That's like that explosive energy of rage that he's in. It. He's a man out of time. He's uncertain. He doesn't know what's going on. And it's fascinating for me to pair that with your perspective of old man yelling at clouds, Bob Dole, like that entire um, mission to recover this thing that he lost because he doesn't see what has been gained over the intervening 70 years. Like he has no perspective and is operating with great power and no perspective, right? Like that is that that's a real conflict that I, I'm curious if would be possible to have cap in end game. If we didn't have cap here, if we didn't start with that conflict, I don't know. If, I mean, that's probably a conversation for about 3,800 episodes from right now, <laughs> but it does. It, it is provocative for me. I, I
2: actually like the survivor's guilty. I mean, that fits in well. It also fits with the Bob Dole moment. I mean, he was a, he was a yeah. world war II hero, right? Right. Um, exactly. And, and I, I think that, that, that moment right there, that, that idea that, you know, we've, we've achieved a certain degree of greatness, but what have we lost, comes right at that moment when 9-11 comes in. That's the that's the height of sort of U.S. post-Cold War triumphal imperialism, right? Here we are. Right? Yes. We've even got people writing about how we need to be an empire again. Um, and at that moment, boom, we get attacked. Uh, the Twin Towers fall. And here, right, Fury's right there. We've got a lot right. But we've done some things wrong. With the attack is about to come, and they, they, with Loki out there, and we see what's implicit, right? So yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot going on right there. There's a lot going on with that character, and I think that that move from sort of survivor's guilt to cultural loss is, I mean, it's done in a in a whiplash second, and so they
0: are twinned very carefully there. I wonder if it's to a certain extent, working against the way that that we're talking about it here is that so much of the flashbacks are Peggy-centric, and to a certain extent, it there's an element of it where it's like, is he just upset that he lost Peggy, and, and he had to put the plane down, but now he is gone from Peggy, you know, there was a deleted scene that came before this minute before he comes to the boxing gym that uh where he's looking at a file of of many of the people and he almost calls peggy and so there is that draw to her as this person and when he's talking about where well, they don't talk about what we've lost you could almost read it like is he just thinking about what he personally has lost as far as this connection to peggy this dance and all that and i can't help but wonder like is the flashback to a certain extent working against this idea of a bigger picture? Instead of talking more specifically about the the things that he was involved in in the war effort,
2: Pete sort of twinned them in the right way. I mean, it, it, I think it links them all together as we move from Peggy through survivors to cultural loss. I mean, it's just it's why the mo- minute is so important. I think because it's there's just so much going on in that one minute in Steve's reaction and his reaction to Fury that brings him here. Yeah. Just as a quick aside, right? I I make an argument in my book, right? That Steve being asleep from 1945 to 1964 in the comics, right? Renders him guiltless for all the things the United States did in the Cold War. There's a, there's a, a moment in one of the Captain America issues where he's fighting with Steve with Nick Fury. I mean, they get in a fist fight and Fury's upset because Steve is clean, right? He's young, he's blue eyed. He hasn't grown old in service to his country, doing things that were unspeakable the way Fury has, right? That's not here, right? That notion that, that Steve, the things we've done wrong are not the things Steve has done wrong. Steve is not portrayed as innocent here. He's portrayed as, as he may perceive himself as innocent, But his anger sort of makes that innocence lose its power in some way. It's not a critique of the modern world.
1: It's a, it's it's a grumpy old man claim in some way. That's really interesting, though. Does you, Do you find that unfounded anger for the character? Because it's, I mean, he, he by all intents and purposes, what they gave us in this, Steve, is just the same Steve they gave us in the comic. A guy who was asleep for 70 years. He did good stuff, and now he's back. Why are you so angry, Steve? Yeah.
2: I'm not necessarily sure it's unfounded because he feels he's lost Peggy, He fe- and it may be survivor guilt, but sort of ideologically, right, it undermines the character's ability to be an observer of the modern moment. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is going to show up again in Ultron when, when he just comes out as this anachronism language. Right. Um, Yeah. Right. And that's where he's not even, it's just, he's an old fart at that point. He's just, Right. It's not yeah, They took the
1: good jokes in this movie. I get that reference. And they turned it into your, as you say, an, an anachronism. I think that's really important. I, I, I think this this minute, what have we lost the fact that he is asking the question, he knows the answer to one point, which is I lost Peggy. I lost my youth. I lost my opportunity at a, at a stable sort of life in the 40s and 50s to, you know, what have we lost? I have no idea what I missed. And what you have created, Fury, is a mess. And that makes Cap
0: ideologically messy in in starting here. It does make you wonder what he's been up to since he was unfrozen. Because what did you say it had been? The flashback scene, which again, it, it... If you look at it in context of a flashback, it really doesn't make sense that he remembers that scene where he's being unfrozen like that. It it plays as an odd <laughs> right. element of a flashback to actually have. But that would have been October 5th, 2011. Uh, and then he was flown to New York on October 7th, 2011, woke up on October 8th, 2011. That's what we see at the very end of Captain America, the first Avenger. Today is March 2nd, 2012. So it's been almost seven full months and I do wonder and again, there was that deleted scene of him kind of wandering aimlessly but we don't get that here. We just get him coming to the gym and he's angry and he's having memories. But it does make me wonder, it's like, what has Steve been doing all this time? Is he just is he doing anything? Is he working? Is he kind of just on a government pension? Is he just wandering around? Like, I, I have no sense as to what he's doing. And so, I don't know. I guess it ends up feeling kind of strange because, I mean, when, when Nick comes in here, it seems like they haven't really had any interaction in the last seven months
1: well it's because he's just been hanging out in the gym for seven straight months he hasn't been outside
2: he's been breaking bags that are sitting there on the ground all taped up he breaks
1: the bags these are the the last six bags (laughs) it's been a much bigger pile before we got to this (laughs) Nick said hey Cap I know you have to adjust here's Fourteen hundred bags. Yeah. We need right. you to just work
0: through these, and then I'll come give you. I'll a I'll be mission. back when you're when you get down yeah. to the last half dozen <laughs> or so. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. No, it's I mean, it is uh, story wise. I I get it. We need to obviously come in at some particular point and coming in with this character when he's kind of going through this emotional thing. I mean, it gives us a place to start the conversation with him as a character in the film, as opposed to seeing him on a mission or something. But I don't know. Part of me wonders if if it would have been. It, what it would have said about the character if we came in on him like we did with Black Widow, where he was mid-mission and we kind of get this little mission with him before Nick comes in and says, hey, we need to connect. I mean, would that have shifted things for you in any positive way or or would that not have worked at all?
2: Well, I, I do think he's, I mean, he's 70 years out of date. I mean, it's going to take a little time for him to be, you know, become mission ready for anything. Um, and so I think he probably has been largely hanging out in the gym at S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and and wandering the streets a little bit. Um, he's got some money. He's got 70 years of back pay, uh, <laughs> you know, at a captain's salary, which, you know, uh, in 1942 dollars, that was actually probably some money. So we can't see him come in mid-mission, right? We've got to see him at this point. And I, I, I'm i not sure what would be gained by showing him wandering all that much um, because we do get frustration. We get loss. We get a variety of reasons it might be frustration. Um, but we also still get him referring to Fury as Sir, right? I mean, he's still a soldier; he's still in that mindset, right? And so he hasn't—he hasn't left, really, the building in some ways.
1: And and it's not like they don't ever pay that off either, because we do get him in mid-mission in just the next movie. They open with him right in um, in um, Winter Soldier, and he's jumping onto the boat. Uh, so we, we do get to see what he looks like when he is mission ready after this. But I think I, I actually think it's an interesting pairing for n- narratively for, uh, you know, if no other reason than they chose to give some of this scene as post credits to the last Movie, right? To 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 show us him with the punching bag and Fury coming in as a teaser to the Avengers trailer at the end of the last movie. Um, it, it was not this complete cut, and we didn't get the whole flashback. But we do get already it's elements, right? yeah, elements of it, like seven months later. And I think it's it it's always been a little bit of a puzzle to me how they they introduce him into uh, into this movie using something we've already seen. Because it sets the movie's time as slightly overlapping uh, the the, la- the end of the last movie, which which I think is, is an interesting choice. But now all I can see is the fact that he wasn't actually awake when he was frozen and they were saying, <laughs> this <laughs> guy's still alive, and I'm never going to be able to unsee that. Thank you, Andy.
0: <laughs> well, and actually, here's an interesting question. Like, do you think, I mean, they, they retrieve the body. Obviously, it's an important element for S.H.I.E.L.D. to recover this body. Do you think that their intentions initially with the recovering the body of Captain America, were they going to pull blood from him to try to redevelop Erskine's formula? Because obviously, it's very much a surprise to these scientists that this person is alive. Do, I mean, do you think that that was their intention uh, when with the retrieval? Didn't they discover him by accident? Yeah, there. It's a Russian oil team drilling in the Arctic, and they discover the Valkyrie, and then Shield shows up, and they find they find the shield, and then you know we ne- we've actually never seen this quick shot in this flashback of the of the frozen body, which is very much. Uh, pulled directly from comics. I mean, it's it's almost uh, an exact image uh, duplicate from the pages of the comics. But yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to kind of include the fact that they su- were surprised they recovered him, but the fact that they recovered him, I was just like, I mean, they probably were just hoping to s- continue figuring out the super soldier serum is w- the way I see it. Yeah,
2: although they, they drew, you know, half a gallon of blood from him back in 42 or 43 or whenever that was. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh I mean he commented on it at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and obviously that was uh, loosely I, I I think I I don't know how official it is, but I know there was some potential element, some hint to th- that being used a little bit to develop the the um the super soldier serum whatever they were calling it for um Emil Blonsky in the Incredible Hulk because you know, that was kind of hinted at I know there were some rights issues between the two as far as what they could put in each of the movies uh, with Universal but still I, that's essentially what they were hinting at there and and the idea that. Bruce had also been working on helping kind of continue developing this super soldier serum, which led him to, of course, become Hulk.
2: Yeah, for a serum that, that created one hero and then couldn't create any more, it actually shows up an awful lot.
1: It sure does. Uh, it,
2: crea- it created man thing. Um, there was a, a villain who fought Kazar who had it. Uh, there, it shows up a lot in the comics it shows up a lot everywhere so this this formula that apparently can't be replicated gets replicated a bunch
0: of times <laughs> right this, I yeah think... it should all this equipment should be in the indiana jones warehouse like <laughs> <There's that. deep. laughs> i think that i didn't i read somewhere that they're um having um the leader come back because we saw him hinted at in in <laughs> the incredible hulk and that was again somebody who had been fiddling around with all of that sort of stuff so there's more fun 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 yeah You've read a lot of Captain America, and I feel like we talked about this when we were talking about Captain America, and I, I seem to recall that Captain America, with the super soldier serum, it really enhanced all of his senses. Uh, is that accurate, or is that something that changed from, from writer to writer?
2: It, it, it varies over time. Um, yeah, it enhances his senses. So he's quicker, his, his memory's better, um, he's a better strategist, he's, got, he's stronger, He's supposed to have, like, all his stuff working at peak strength.
0: And that includes, like, hearing, yeah. smelling, seeing, all that sort of stuff, which, yep. you know, I know we joked about a lot in the in the last film as far as, like, how did he know that Hydra soldier was hiding in the trees? Well, he must have smelled him, you know, things like that. And that's something that I think is funny in this minute. And they never play it up in the films, and I'm assuming they just don't want to bring too many Superman comparisons. But it is funny that Nick Fury essentially kind of sneaks into the gym and is standing there who knows how long watching him and uh steve doesn't know that he's there until he actually speaks up which
2: or he may know he's there and just ignores him
0: (laughs) it's possible it's a power move that's what we have was a power move it's his it's the super ignoring strength that he's developed yes yes (laughs) um uh, well, so then the other thing that Nick says, and I just, you know, we were talking about like, what has he been doing all this time? But Nick tells him, you should be out celebrating, seeing the world. Do you think Shield would want him doing that? I mean, I feel like Shield probably is really keeping this guy on, uh, like keeping tabs on everything that he's doing because they probably want to make sure that he's not getting into the wrong hands or, or somehow disappearing. I would assume so.
2: I mean, I would agree that I think probably part of his his frustration, right, um, is that what S.H.I.E.L.D. lets him see of the world around him is not I mean, is it Times Square? I mean, that's what he sees at the end of. of, Is is that all they let him see? Right, right. You know, just bustling urban environment that's that's, you know, overlit and screaming with street people. And I would probably think I'd want to stay inside and punch some bags, too, if that's all they let me see.
1: And yet, at a minimum, you guys, Captain America, the first Avenger, we see Cap do this one thing twice in the, his first timeline. And we never see him do it again. And we have no record that he ever does it in his seven months leading up to the punching bag institute, in, incident. And that is go to a movie. The kid loves movies, and we never see him do it again. They should have done that. The entire Infinity Saga could have been wiped out, had he just seen a modern movie, maybe. You never know.
2: (laughs) But what movie would Cap like to go see today?
0: That's a good question. You know, 2011, what's he want to (laughs) see? It'd probably be Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes me wonder, like, uh, what movies were coming out in 2012 in May that he would have gone to see. So let's see, May 2012. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna ask you uh to see d- Diegetic movie? <laughs> yeah. What what would he want to go see? Let's see, 2012 in film. Let me go see if I can track down
2: I mean Matt, he was probably an MGM guy. I mean yes, sure. I, I doubt he was like the <laughs> Warner Brothers, you know, gangster film. He was probably an MGM guy, right? Big fan of Busby Berkeley, that kind of stuff.
0: Right. Well, certainly with all of his uh, singing and dancing that he did, you'd think that there would be uh, plenty of that that he would enjoy seeing. Of course, that's that's essentially the weekend that um, Avengers came out. It came out May fourth, twenty twelve. So. If he went a week later, okay, so a week later, Dark Shadows. He could go see the Tim Burton Dark Shadows. I, I can't imagine yeah, he I would want to see that. Guarantee uh, he would never go to a movie again. The Dictator? I don't think he'd probably want to see that. Uh, what What was else else in theaters? Think Like a Man. The Hunger Games was eight weeks in theaters. Uh, the Lucky One, the five-year engagement. Battleship? That seems like a cap thing. The Best Exotic Marigold <laughs> Hotel? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, the cabin in the woods. Uh, oh, that would have okay. yeah. yeah. That's a real cap cap centric. You know, he probably here's what he would go see. He would go see the Three Stooges, the movie that the um, the Farrelly brothers did, because he was familiar with the Three Stooges, and he'd go, "Oh, I loved watching them um, before all the movies," and then he would realize what a mistake he had made when he went yeah. to see that particular Truly. film. All right. So that's what we that's what he's going to go see is the Three Stooges. OK, I'm so glad we, we locked that The important question. Yeah, the that was a questions. big one. Well. Yeah. Although in, in
2: Winter Soldier, he has that list of things that he's supposed to see. And there was some film Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark, I think, was on that list or there were films on that list. I can't remember exactly what it was when Sam tells him he right. needs to listen to Trouble Man. By Marvin Yes,
1: that's right. That's right. Trouble that's,
0: Man. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, what, um, for a person who had missed such a huge swath of time, like, what would be the key milestones to to look at to get a sense of where, um, where the world is and how things have changed, you know? I mean, um, World War II was such a different war from Vietnam, and obviously with everything with September 11, like, there are some huge milestones of history that he would definitely want to be catching up with to really have a sense of the world, you know, because that's the thing. It's like he really just I mean, he is a man out of time. And I, I think that this scene um, and, you know, the films that we're going to be watching um, over the next few Captain America uh, storylines uh, really kind of define how much things have changed for him and how he is somebody who's really trying to figure out how to kind of connect with the modern world all right um well i don't know if i have anything else for this minute do either of you have any last thoughts about minute 22 i'm good i'm good all right well matthew you're going to be back um next week we'll be talking about minute 26 um so we'll uh we'll chat with you more then but um why don't you tell everybody where they can track uh, like more about your book where they can track down what you're up to
2: um, well, you can probably find my book, Remaindered, at most um, self-respecting bookstores with a little black stripe on the bottom, probably for 25 cents a pound. Um, <laughs> uh, I do have an article coming out in the Journal of Popular Culture on Jack Kirby and uh, cosmic horror and his superhero comics. Um, be out in a couple months. Great. Uh,
0: so that's sort of what I'm doing these days fantastic. Well, we'll have a link to uh, to get a copy of Matthew's book in our show notes. Uh, if you're not seeing those in your podcatcher, just go to our website marvelmovieminute.com and you can check everything out there. You can also learn more about our membership where you can get access to all of your episodes early, get our hiatus episodes, all that good stuff. Um, so Pete and I will be back uh, tomorrow to talk about Minute 23 and Matthew again uh, next week to talk about Minute 26. So Pete, thanks as always. If I were Cap, I'd see... Get the Gringo, May first, twenty twenty twelve. Get the Gringo. <laughs> he would have probably liked Star Wars. There, <laughs> there you go. Until next time, True Believers.